Welcome to VB Engage episode 28. My name is Stuart Rogers for VentureBeat and I am joined, in fact, he's actually sitting next to me for once by the author of Digital Sense, the marketing technology genius that is Travis Wright. Travis, you're here. I am here. You are here. We are all together. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> I literally can um, reach out and touch Travis right now. Please don't. No, please, uh, because we have, to, we have to get the HR department involved. Awkward. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why are we together? Well, look, um, we have been in Lisbon uh, for the whole of this week at Web Summit. Web Summit is a huge, amazing, incredible tech event. 53,000 people here this week? That is true. Not including us. 52,998. Amazing. Yeah, we made. I up, did the math. We made up the extra two. <laughs> uh, you know, they got on. They got on the phone to us and they said, "Look, we've only got fifty-two thousand nine hundred ninety-eight people here. How about we just get you two along?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they wanted to just push it over the edge, have some PR go out that says we had 53,000. Literally, like exactly. So it's exciting. You know, it's it's an amazing conference. So many amazing thought leaders here, and I just want to say amazing one more time because I don't think I said it enough. Do you know what? Repetition is amazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we found out this week, uh, people who uh, repeat slogans and the same words all the time, you know, tremendously, you know, usually get their way. That's um, true. That's why we're making podcasts great again. We are making podcasts great again. Look, we've been at Web Summit, and one of the things we've been doing at Web Summit is recording a whole slew of VB Engage episodes with amazing guests for you. And we want to tell you a little bit about what's been going on here in Lisbon. First things first, Travis, we had a pretty exciting experience because on the content makers stage, uh, we had the pleasure of doing the first ever VB Engage on stage, live in front of an audience of a thousand people. How did you feel about that? It was interesting. It was. I think the, the content was phenomenal. It was you know, definitely different than us doing it, you in Tunbridge and me in Kansas City via Skype and our guest being wherever they are. We're literally on stage in front of a thousand plus people. Uh, and I mean, seriously, the, the room was completely packed and it was the day of the election results. <laughs> so right. the crowd was a little interesting. <laughs> Let's just say that. We, we get almost as many laughs as we do when we record it live. <laughs> we <hear> it. <laughs> Except yeah. I have those crickets sometimes. <laughs> Everyone was looking at their phones and sort of making some uh, decisions about their lives uh, based on whether they were American it or not. It was kind of somber. It was interesting. Um, but we jumped up on stage. We, we did. Bounced around. We, we got energy. the energy up. And, uh, we, did, we did get laughs. We yeah. did have some, some, good, some good energy. And, you know, the guest was Alan Schaff the CEO of Imager, and it was fascinating to chat with him about how he grew the company, where it came from, how they are doing mobile engagement, their mobile app, all this other stuff. You'll hear that in a couple of weeks. We don't know exactly which date, but soon. Yeah, I mean, literally a couple of weeks away from now, you're going to get to hear that first episode. The first episode from the Web Summit series is going to be Alan Scharf's episode, Alan Scharf from Imager, and then you're going to get a whole raft of these Web Summit specials. Uh, we're going to be doing them for the next few weeks uh, so that uh, you get to hear from some of the amazing guests. Now, who have we got lined up for you? Well, really excited to say that our very first in-person interview, because again, you know, we don't do these interviews in person with our guests. We do them over Skype. Uh, but we actually did all of these in person at Web Summit. And our very first in-person interview, um, you won't hear this in chronological order, obviously. We're going to put Alan Scharf up first. None other than Joseph Gordon-Levitt, 
the uh, amazing Hollywood actor, but also uh, co-founder of Hit Record, or Hit Record, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, you'll find out from Joe himself that actually both are completely valid pronunciations. And, you know, he's grown an amazing creative community to uh, half a million people. And we talk about how he managed that and what it is and and why it exists. Uh, But there's some very interesting things about engagement in that interview. Um, Some really, really superb uh, tips in terms of growing a community that actually seems to care about each other. So we're going to talk about that with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Which was phenomenal. I really really enjoyed that too. Uh, Very cool guy, very humble guy. I mean, his story is interesting where, you know, he he started this thing in 04 as a passion project with his brother. And, um, you know, his brother, unfortunately, uh, passed away in 2010. And he's kept it going. He's grown it up. There's over... 500,000 users on there and they're creating great stuff. So that that's a really great solid one. Uh, then after that, we, we interviewed Robert Scoble. Uh, we talked about you know VR, AR, mixed reality with him and the, and the future of that. That's a great episode. And he actually had a, a Microsoft HoloLens in his pocket. It was like he was uh, one of those people who sort of walk around with a dodgy Mac on, uh, you know, open the side of it when they got a load of watches inside. You know, yes. Would you like a watch? Uh, he was kind of like, would you like a HoloLens? Uh, it was <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. Well, he's got all these pockets because of the Scotty Vest jackets that he always wears. He was like, here, check this pocket. He's like, look at my pockets. I got so many pockets. Yeah. And then after, uh, after Robert, you know, we had the great, great opportunity to talk to Paddy Cosgrave. Now, Paddy is the man behind Web Summit. And uh, this is not like a scratchy back kind of uh, interview. The thing with Web Summit, you've got to remember, is that back in 2014, I remember going to uh, Web Summit in Dublin, and there was around about sort of 12,000 people there. And, you know, they grew that to 12,000 really quickly. They've gone in two years to go from 12,000 to 53,000. That's a lot of challenges from a community standpoint. But also, we talk about network theory and how to actually grow your base that phenomenally in such a short amount of time and for an event to grow in that sort of uh, order within that sort of time is, is outstanding so we get into that we get into the data science yeah. marketing technology and network theory and everything yeah, else. he's building software to sort of do analysis to connect people while you're here based on your network and yeah very very fascinating it was a great great opportunity to chat with him for sure um, we talked to Alexis Ohanian who's the uh, CEO founder of Reddit co-founder of Reddit uh, and of course, Reddit, front page of the internet, you could not want for a bigger, better, more vibrant community than that. So we get into some really incredible stuff. Yes, because he was actually the, our first interview the morning of the election results. So it was really phenomenal. And we asked him some questions about how he felt about his website being such an important factor around democracy, right? Because I was going there to get news. I was checking out information around there's... A really interesting filter bubble that happens in social media now because we surround ourselves with the news that we want to hear. And so a lot of people were very surprised about the election result. I wasn't because I was purposefully checking out the other side, checking out their news, reading stuff that I wouldn't necessarily see that wasn't coming into my feed. Very fascinating stuff. We had a great, great conversation. I mean, that, that was a really long interview. We just kept chatting with him. I think we could have kept talking for seven more days. I reckon. <laughs> Who do we have uh, as well? Oh, we had Stefan uh, Casriel. He's the CEO of Upwork. Upwork is the new company from the merger of Elance and 
Odesk. Odesk, yes. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about when you rebrand, you know, because they had a rebranding, how do you keep engagement, how do you keep your community, how do you keep that alive, Uh, all of the challenges of running, you know, such a business, because it it really is. There's some phenomenal numbers. in Five million businesses use it, 12 million freelancers on there. Crazy. And then we had the real pleasure of talking with the very smart Katya Beauchamp, uh, CEO of Birchbox, one of these... Uh, well, in fact, one of the pioneers in subscription services. The pioneer. Yeah, and and absolutely incredible. I mean, they've they've built up a subscription service. They've built uh, where you get a box through the door uh, every month, full of you know surprise products. Um, really uh, amazing company. But they've also then built up additional revenue streams, including actual retail stores. And so we talk how that all comes together and how mobile plays a part because mobile is driving 70% of their traffic. So, yeah. you know, really interesting to see that. So that, that's been our, our week. It's, it's been really fascinating. And, they, you know, they started out women only, sort of beauty, right? So it's a big thing for women. And oh, they've also now launched the, the Birchbox for Men. That's right? exactly right. Yeah. And then uh, as well as our duties um, in terms of interviewing people for you, for VB Engage, Travis, you were also on stage uh, on Content Makers. What uh, were you doing on Content Makers stage? You know, I had the great opportunity to talk with the AB family, E-H-B-E-E. They're huge on Vine. They got on Vine about four years ago. They were doing all these family-oriented videos. And about two years ago, they started branching out and doing YouTube and, and jumping out into some other platforms. And they're killing it. The amount of influencer opportunities that they've had with all these different brands has just been completely fascinating. How they got started, the creative process, just a completely interesting conversation to be able to have in front of a thousand of our closest friends, which was pretty awesome. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, I had an opportunity to jump up on stage as well. That was incredible, dude. You killed it. Oh, bless you, sir. Uh, It was a debate. And we had the CEO of Adblock Plus who was saying that publishers should love ad blocking. Yeah, it was it was interesting to sort of see that like he was almost indignant and from my perspective from the crowd. Right. I think that uh, I don't know. It was interesting to me to watch to watch you guys chat about that. And I, and I thought that your, your points were very solid. You had some really interesting uh, points about why. You know, publishers don't want this. We don't like ad blocking. Do you know, the thing that bothers me about ad blocking is there's there's certainly no doubt that we want better ads. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about marketing technology. We talk about advertising technology on VB Engage. This is not out uh, out of our remit here. We want better ads. We want ads that are more like assistance and not like just really horrible experiences that just throwing stuff at us in case we're maybe one time or interested, Mm -hmm. right? And you can't solve that with an ad blocker. You've got to solve that at source where people are creating these ads, where people are using advertising technology to target the right people with the right advert, right time, right device. You know, if you do it down in the weeds where the ad blocker is, it's kind of like, well, you've poisoned the water, but let's block the plastic bottles that get the water to your door, right? You can't do that. You've got to solve the water poisoning right at the source, okay? I love intelligent ads. So if I'm on Facebook, they got the targeting down on me, right? And so I've seen so many cool products that I was like, whoa, that is awesome. I mean, I've seen so many amazing ads from products that I actually have purchased. So Facebook converts very well for me. I convert very well for them, I guess, actually. <laughs> and then, you know, in addition to that, if you're, if you're using an ad blocker to stop malware, again, it's too deep. Um, you're going too deep. You know, put a malware blocker on your PC. But we really need to go back to the source and we need to fix the operating system, the browser, and Flash and Java 
all right, and fix all of those exploits that are in there because that's the source. That's where we fix that. But my biggest issue is that if we're blocking ads, the smaller publishers won't be able to afford to grow bigger because they're not getting the advertising revenue in order to be able to grow. And, you know, editorials in the larger publishers, of course, will, will suffer. I mean, we're talking about uh, run rates for some of the big publications where, you know, they've got, a, they've got to afford a million dollars a month just to pay for the editorial staff, right? You can't just generate that from micropayments or paywalls and that kind of thing. It, nobody wants to pay that money for that content. If you want it for free, then we've got to do that. So that creates a two-tier system where we're going to have publishers who can afford to uh, be able to be allowed to advertise and publishers who can't and then their adverts get blocked. Well, the same people that install ad blockers are the same people that are pro-net neutrality, right? The ones that want the internet to be the same speed and, and we don't speed it up for people who pay. So how can you be pro-net neutrality but still run an ad blocker and create a two-tier system because of it? And that's really the biggest issue for me. It's, uh, it's an odd dichotomy. And so I think we need to solve it at source. We need to solve it with regulation and better advertising. And another thing that was, that was excellent... Uh, just on the VB front, the editor-in-chief of VentureBeat, Blaze, actually debated the editor of Mashable about, you know, walled content and instant pages and why that's not good for publishers and whatnot. And that was that was, that was awesome, actually. That The room was completely packed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been a really fantastic week here, uh, here in Lisbon at Web Summit. Uh, we've got so much great content coming at you from this event. The only other thing I think uh, that I've noticed that really happened in the news this week, which uh, was kind of interesting, is uh, there was a really interesting case study on a chatbot from Kick. We don't talk about Kick too much, but Kick is a really incredibly popular messaging solution, especially uh, with younger users. Mm -hmm. And they managed to get a brand new chatbot that really doesn't do very much. It's really silly, right? They managed to get it from nothing to 200,000 users in 10 days. And 30 days later, they had half a million, and now it's at over a million users. What does this silly little bot do, Travis? It's a bot that you can use in group chat, right? So it started out as an experiment, and they thought about creating an app that they said, we want to build something that millions of people are gonna use, and what it does is, like say for example, you have a bunch of people in the room, and what you can say is you can ask questions. You can randomly pick things for you. It's almost like a roll of the dice kind right. of like deal. And so like, hey, you say at sign roll. Who is going to call the Uber? Survey says Ted. Where should we go for dinner tonight? Roll says blah, right? So you can ask it questions. You can interact with it. Uh, it can do some pretty interesting things. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was pretty fascinating to see 95% of all of Roll's users have come from viral sharing. Exactly, and, and you know, it just goes to show you that if you create something that is interesting and engaging, and you combine that with network theory, because all they did was put that on the Kick bot store, and some people grabbed it, they thought it was fun, they thought it was interesting, they really liked it, but because you're doing it within a group chat, if one person uses it, if one person introduces it to the conversation, and there's 10 people in that conversation, the other nine are like, oh, this is cool, and they're going to go and introduce it to their friends via a group chat, and so on and so and forth. that's what happened, And yep. that's how it grew. Yeah, you can say, eh, who is driving? Who's most likely to live alone with five cats? <laughs> Who's the best Pokemon Go trainer, right? And then conversely, I've been thinking about setting up my own chatbot just so 
Stuart and I in our conversations, and I would say at troll. If I want to troll Stuart, it's my troll bot. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. We should make at troll. <laughs> so look, um, you know, it's it's been an amazing week. Really interesting to read that case study. We'll put that in the show notes for you. But right now, talking about bots. We are going to get into one of my favorite interviews of all time. You know, we've uh, we've been doing this for over six months now, and it was an absolute real pleasure to have the one and only Veronica Belmont. Yes, brilliant, amazing interview. You're going to love this. Today we have an excellent treat for us. This is great. We have Veronica Belmont, and you may have known her from a, a lot of different uh, journeys around the interwebs. Uh, she's awesome. She's now currently the product manager at Growbot. Uh, she's also an admin over at BotWiki and BotMaker and BotZine. And she is there at uh, Sword and Laser. She has a, a podcast that she puts out as well. How are you doing? I realize you're, you're literally engaging VB, Veronica Belmont. Oh, my gosh. Wow. This That's is it. exception. This is incredible. I actually Perfect. hadn't thought of that. Every time I type in VentureBeat into the internet, occasionally I misspell it as VentureBear. And I have mentioned to the company that what we should do is we should get, like, uh, probably made in China, lots of little bears with little VB logos on them and, and have, you know, start selling VentureBears. I would take one of those for sure. That would be great. You see, you see it's, a, it's a winner, Travis. Why yeah, hasn't we somebody done it types already? that in, it should be VentureBear. And it's like, whoops, you don't mean to be a VentureBear, but here's some love. <laughs> it could be. It could be. It Big should be like hug. venture bull because you want to be bullish on these well, things instead of bearish on them. You are not the um, first nor last person who's actually mentioned that. Um, yeah, then every it would time be I bring venture up venture BS, bears. and that would be bad. <laughs> so like, we're really spiraling out of control here. Right. Let's, let's keep it. With, well, that's uh, what this podcast is TV. for. This is the venture BS right here. We'll do all the uh, spiraling out of control. You bring it back to the common sense, if that's all right. So <laughs> Perfect. that's the way it normally works. <laughs> um, it's great to have you on, Veronica. Um, you know, thanks so much for joining us here on uh, VB Engage. Last time I saw you, I think, was in San Francisco, and uh, you were talking at Mobile Beat and about all of the things that we are doing with uh, chatbots and AI and all of that messenger as a platform conversational UI, conversational commerce, whatever you want to call it. There's so many names for it. You know, I still think uh, chatbots is the catchiest of them, but we'll see how it pans out. There's so many different conversations around that space. Tell us a little bit more about what you're specifically doing with bots and with messaging platforms right now, just to set the scene for everyone a little bit. Previously, I was, uh, last year, I came on as the admin of botwiki.org and botmakers.org, which is a large community of, of bot maker uh, enthusiasts, uh, journalists, writers, creators, uh, people who are, you know, building fun artistic bots versus people who are also creating bots in the enterprise space. Um, and that was really just for fun. But I, I kind of realized that it was such a fascinating area to get involved with. I started actively looking for work in the bot space at that time. There's so many companies doing it now, but a year ago, it was a much smaller kind of subset of, of companies or, or larger companies just starting to get into that area. But actually through the Slack community um, that I was working with, uh, Bot Makers, I got in touch with uh, Joseph Estrada, who's one of the co-founders of Growbot. And he actually said, hey, it's really cool what you're doing here. Do you want to come in and chat with us? One thing led to another. And back in August, I joined the team as, as their first product manager. And uh, you did that all manually? You didn't build a bot to go looking for bot jobs? I did not, no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, no, I'm sure that exists at this point. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to build that, right? You know, in terms of bots, we've, we've been talking a lot about this on VentureBeat. Um, we have an entire bots channel. We've had a, a webinar around bots. It's really interesting space, and it's 
Something that's interesting because we've had this app universe, we've had these two major app stores for such a long time, and the experience there is that uh, when you want to download an app for, say, a restaurant, and then you download an, another app for a different restaurant and another app for a different restaurant, <laughs> yes. right? And you end up with like six, seven, or eight different restaurant apps on your phone. And of course, each of these takes up space. They all provide a different experience. So sometimes you get what you want from the app, sometimes you don't. That kind of universe is, is quite different to, say, going into Facebook Messenger and just adding all of the different restaurant bots within Messenger and having that one experience. Do you really think that bots are going to become the new app stores? Or do we have still a long way to go uh, before we get to that point? And how does that experience really change everything for, for people you know, versus the app experience? Well, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think this is probably one of the biggest discussion topics that we in the chatbot community have been have been going over. And it's one of the reasons why I think that chatbots and bots in general have really kind of touched a nerve for a lot of people. Um, yes, we may not be exactly in the mainstream just yet, but I really think it's only a matter of time. I think it was either Benedict Evans or, or one of the other people who are speaking a lot to this community. People are seeing chat as being the next platform. And I think it's it's absolutely true. Um, we're seeing companies like Slack and Facebook and Kick and all of the different big brands really embracing the idea of, of chatbots and, and conversational interfaces, because I think there is a ton of what people are calling app fatigue. And I experience this almost every single day, every time I'm supposed to be downloading a new app for some menial task. In my mind, I'm like, ugh, there's another thing taking up space in my phone. Another thing that I have to remember is even there. At this point, I'd rather just be either engaging in Slack, which is where I'm spending 90% of my computing time at this point anyway, or, you know, hop into Facebook Messenger where I know all of my friends already are and where a lot of the great new chatbots are, are making their homes. Um, See, so they're going to where the people are and the people are in chat platforms. They're in messaging clients and that's where they want to spend their time. Yeah, that's fascinating. Actually, one of my very first internet experiences when I, I, went, I went to school at the University of Kansas, one of the things that was awesome about that, that experience was that, so I had super fast internet. This was like in the you know early mid-90s and I got on this chat platform called WBS.net, which was completely fascinating because... I was able to talk to people all over the world in all these different segregated rooms with different interests. And I could actually, since I had fast internet, I could upload photos and make it a hilarious experience. So one of my first experiences online was just engaging with all these amazing random people around the world. And it was highly entertaining, right? Now we're getting to this place where these chat bots and these apps that are messenger platforms are, have gained so much popularity now. How do you see you know, bots changing the way you know, people are communicating? How is this making people's lives easier? I mean, there's a whole lot of bots out there. If you look at some of these directories, there are so many. Where's the value in that? And what does somebody who may not be in technology like we are, how do they take advantage of that? And how do they start accessing and using some of these bots that can make their life easier? I think it all comes down to, to the conversational interface aspect. I think, you know, we, we became very desensitized to touch interfaces. We got used to that extremely quickly. And now we're starting to get very used to, to typing and speaking to pieces of software that can respond to us uh, in kind. And whether that be something like, you know, 
know, the Echo or Siri, which, you know, in my opinion, is not the greatest example of a of a conversational interface. Echo and, and probably Google Home are going to do a much better job at it at this point. This is how we like to interact with our technology. It's it's easy for us. It's it's natural for us. You know, mm-hmm. this is why they call it natural language processing, because it's it's how humans like to communicate. But the hard part really is figuring out kind of a standardized communication method for talking with these interfaces. I think the hardest part, the, the biggest challenge that a lot of chatbot creators are, are coming across is, is really onboarding users and explaining to them exactly how to communicate with their particular bot. I think the the more we get used to this and, and the more that this industry kind of grows and evolves, we're going to see kind of a the way that we interact with these communication platforms and devices is going to kind of come together. And we're going to kind of see a set of norms evolve over time. And I think once we get to that point, it's going to be a lot easier for people. It's going to be a lot easier to both develop these bots and use them in our our day-to-day lives. That's really interesting. And I think that, you know, certainly Facebook seems to be driving the agenda a little bit. I mean, you know, I don't see a situation where all of the different messaging platforms are going to come together in any kind of consortium or any kind of standard way. No, no. No. I, mean, I, just, they, I just meant more the way of interfacing with them. And each platform has its own nuances. And so chatbot creators have got to get used to you know, how you would develop and, and present a chatbot on Messenger versus, say, one on Kick versus Telegram, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But quite clearly, I mean, we, we did a survey for the uh, for the webinar around chatbots, and uh, we asked a 1,000 consumers, you know, which of the messaging apps they use as their primary one. It was kind of ridiculous because 75% um, actually said uh, Facebook Messenger, and iMessage took up uh, almost 13% of the rest. And Everybody else was just like single digits. Um, it was yeah. it was kind of crazy. Yeah, what I find really interesting though too is is I get the sense that probably the people responding to a VentureBeat survey uh, may be a very specific kind of cohort. You know, I know that a lot of the younger generations are are heavily into into Kick and Telegram and these other chat platforms that. Uh, make it very easy for them to communicate in groups to their friends, for example. Um, but yeah, I think for people of a, of a certain age, I think Messenger has has uh, really, really strongly come into the space, though I'm very surprised by how little Facebook has actually done to promote specific bots on the platform. Um, I mean, you really have to go out there and, and discover them on your own through, you know, sites like VentureBeat or, or communities like mine, where people are sharing this kind of stuff. I'm not sure whether they've been kind of biding their time, especially after the announcement of the uh, what, whatever it is their their Slack competitor is being called, and uh, you know Microsoft also getting into that game with Skype bots, which I think is really fascinating. And I, I you know we're hearing rumblings of a of a potential Slack killer uh, from within Microsoft as well. So obviously in, they're seeing a lot of potential in the enterprise space, and I think a lot of bots are going to prove to be very useful there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the discoverability of bots is my biggest issue, especially with Facebook Messenger. My theory is is that they're just repeating what they did with businesses when they opened up business pages. They just said, hey, everyone, get your business page. And they let everybody in. And then they started throttling it so that you had to pay to play. And and then they started making businesses more discoverable. And, you know, we're talking about tens of thousands of chatbots have been developed for Facebook Messenger now at this point. 
Um, they're very hard to discover. Uh, I mean, there's no real easy way to find them. <laughs> I was going around one day. I was like, okay, so where are you? And then I like, you stumbled upon one. You know, yeah, it's really very difficult to. Uh, they're all ninja bots. You, they're <laughs> just hiding in plain sight. Right. Mm-hmm. Introducing the <laughs> hidden bots. I want to touch base real quick on this. So VentureBee back in August, John Cifuentes put together this bot landscape. And it talked about, you know, 170 plus companies and $4 billion in funding and thousands of bots being created, all these different types about connector bots and AI tools and bot developer frameworks and bot discovery and analytics and messaging platforms and whatnot. So let me ask you, so you you have a a really strong grasp on bots. What are some of the cooler bots that you have seen? What are some of the ones that impress you? And then maybe, I mean, obviously, Growbot was one that impressed you because you're working for them now. So what's some of the differentiations and what's some of the cool things that you've seen out there in the landscape that just blow you away? I would just like to start this comment by uh, making a point that I was very mad at John for leaving Growbot off of the bots landscape, oh. um, considering we were one of the first venture-backed bots on the scene and also one of the first bots in the Slack app store. Mm. I could we'll, go on. We'll Photoshop you we in. Belo- There's a spot. I see a There's spot. There's literally a spot. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I sent him a... You're like, that's my spot spot. right there. I literally pointed a bright, (laughs) hot pink arrow at that spot and sent him our logo and said, next time, John, next time. That goes in there. Beautiful. He knows. He knows. Um, Anyway, um, yeah, some of my favorite bots, obviously, we use Growbot at work to see how the product works and and to make sure we're doing everything right. So I'm using that quite often. I like the CocoBot. Coco was an app initially that uh, was used to kind of help people feel better about problems that they were having. It's kind of almost like a mini therapist and it runs on kick and you can uh, post your problem or your insecurity that you're having. And then real users kind of chime in and and give you a different perspective shift on what perhaps it would be a different way of looking at this problem. Because sometimes all it takes is like a different shift in perspective in order to see what you might not be seeing. And so I found that weirdly valuable. I, I, I tend to lean towards the things that kind of go more towards the empathetic side of, of technology. Um, I think I, I really love thinking about the ways that technology can make us better humans. And so that was one of the reasons I gravitated so strongly to, to working at Growbot and why I'm always fascinated by bots that kind of help improve us as, as human beings. Uh, Humblebot is another one that I think is really cute. It's a Slack bot that kind of reminds you to to sit up straight or to, no, I'm sorry, healthy bot. Humblebot's a different bot. Healthy bot is a Slack bot uh, that tells you to drink more water and sit up straight and just kind of make sure that you're, you know, taking care of yourself right. throughout your work day. Get up, get up out of your chair once, Travis. Just get up like one time today. <laughs> exactly. Healthy exactly. <laughs> Healthy bot is great. It's really, really cute. I mean, I mean, there's just such, so much of uh, so many great options out there. Luca, I think, is really interesting, and the story behind Luca is fascinating. I, I believe, I think, Venture Beats written about Eugenia and and her story at some Absolutely. point as well. We had her on as one of the lightning rounds at uh, Mobile Beat, so uh, telling us all about Luca. She's phenomenal and, and just brilliant, and, and the bot is really interesting. There's, uh, you know, the guys at Howdy and, and BotKit and all the platforms and, and bot tools that are kind of bubbling up to the surface, uh, just making it easier for people to create bots uh, to do whatever they want. It's just a really fun community right now, and everyone's kind of figuring it out as they go, and, and there's so many interesting ideas floating around. And ultimately, you know, not all of them are going to make it, but it's it's fun to see things bubble up to the surface and, and get attention and, and kind of... Kind of inspire new ideas and creators. 
Absolutely. Hey, Veronica, we could talk for hours about bots. Thank you so much for being with us and, and actually making us better humans by telling us all about oh. uh, chatbots. Um, but, Lord uh, knows we need that during this political season. We need more empathy. So I'm going to download a bot or two. <laughs> Maybe a compliment yeah. bot. Travis, you are really amazing today. Travis, hello. You are. Did I tell you how incredible you are? See, I need a bot like that. Just compliment <laughs> bot. Because Stuart's always bringing me down. <laughs> Unfortunately, Travis, that there are extremes to what people can program. There are limitations within all technology. Limitations. That is true. And that is true. Um, but thank you so much, Veronica. It's been absolutely awesome having you on VB Engage. Really, really good. Thank you. That's robot.io. That is it. Very nice. So nice. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Excellent, excellent stuff. Thank you so much to Veronica Belmont for agreeing to be on our show. She was awesome. Also, uh, if you did not hear last week's episode, uh, we interviewed Alexis Fogel. That was a really great interview where we talked about Dashlane, but not only that, but how he grew the company and engages users, all kinds of stuff. Next week, we talk with Seth Bezmertnik of Conductor, and uh, we have a great talk about search and how that's playing into today's world. So it was great hanging out here with you, Stuart, here in Portugal. My voice is a little hoarse from all of the uh, chatting and networking and drinking and whatnot. But, uh, so for episode 28, for Travis Wright, goodbye. And for Stuart Rogers in Portugal, I'm going to break all my rules and actually repeat a language for once. So since I'm here, adieu.